Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, and I was instructed that I have 20 minutes, and if I can do this in 20 minutes, you know there's a God in heaven. He's still working miracles. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. Everyone say wise men. From the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, And we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. How many of you know Herod was lying? Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Listen carefully. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. They did what they came for. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way another way. I'm going to preach here this morning a message entitled The Wise Still Worship. I want you to say that to three people around you. The Wise Still Worship. Let's pause for a moment to pray. Lord, we ask you to do something among us today that only you can do. An orator can't do it. A song can't do it. A singer can't do it. No one in this building can do what you can do. So we ask you to reach out and touch the people. Because we know one touch will change a life forever. We're grateful for this day because truly this day is John chapter 3. In verse 16, this is that day, Lord, for God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for John 3, 16 today. That word may manifest. That word tangible. And we give you praise for what you're going to do in the next few moments of time. Have your way. Would you lift your hands, please? The Bible says lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Lord, we break every generational curse in this building. We stand against any generational spirit that has been passed down on people that are sitting in these seats today. We speak to any principality, power, or ruler in the heavenly realms, and we tell them to back up in Jesus' name. Holy Ghost, breathe on us. Have your way. Do something stupendous, magnificent. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's everybody give God the biggest praise you can give him. Come on. Come on. The platform's been doing it all morning. Let the sanctuary do it now. Come on, lift your voice to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. High five somebody before you sit down and tell them it's on in the building. Quick notation before I begin my introduction. We will be praying for Lisa D'Amico's mother who is sick. They're not giving her very long to live. We pray for my brother Randy and his wife Debbie who is uh, diagnosed with COVID this week. And anyone else that may be sick. We pray for them in Jesus' name, they would be healed. And they went, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him and opened, opened. They opened their treasures. There's so many wonderful stories that surround the birth of Christ. There's so many directions we could take with this message this morning. We could tell of the shepherds tending their sheep. And suddenly there was the sound of angels singing. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Goodwill toward all men. Oh, how we need that song to be true today. We could preach on Joseph the carpenter having five dreams representing the five points of the star that the wise men followed. We could preach on Bethlehem, the town that no one considered to be the birthing place of the Messiah. We could preach on no room in the end. But Pastor Josh preached on that a few weeks ago. Thank God I didn't fit. We could be prophetic this morning and talk about the names of Christ, but the choir sang about that today. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, Everlasting Father. Yes, 
We could preach this morning and talk about just the sights and the scenes of the story. That would preach by itself. We could be sentimental and talk about the struggles of an ordinary man named Joseph and a virgin named Mary. Or we could be spiritual and talk about what is going on behind the scenes of Christmas. And I could take you to Revelation chapter 12 and show you this story as if it were the scenes behind the scenes where there's a dragon looking to destroy a woman who is carrying a baby who will deliver the world. But I won't preach on that today. We could certainly preach on joining the journey of the wise men as they follow that star. And I was thinking about that this morning. It takes a night season to follow a star. You can only follow stars when it's dark. Night is significant. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. God speaks to Moses, the Bible says, out of darkness. I've learned something that too many people live to see the light of Sunday morning and they miss the star of Saturday night. Would you not agree that God works through mystery more than he does formula? This morning, I find myself fixated on six words. Six words. They come from the heart of the wise men. And here they are. We, collectively, have come to worship him. Isn't that beautiful? We have come to worship him. Now I know some of you came to see your grandchildren today. Others of you came to hear your family members sing in the choir. And I say bring the choir back. Many of you think you are here because it is the Sunday before Christmas. But I just choose to believe that somewhere deep down in your soul, there's a knowledge and an understanding that the reason for this day, the reason for this moment, is to give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords the worship that he deserves. Now let me turn this thing around and ask you, did you come to worship him today? And if you did, I'm going to give you five sanctified seconds to give him the praise you've been wanting to give him all day long. No, I'm talking about reaching down in your spirit and giving him praise. You may be seated. I was looking at this story and I thought, how did it happen? The way it happened. 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the days of Herod the king, and there came wise men, the wise still worship, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east. If you skip down to verse 7, you'll see the same man, Herod, when he calls the wise men and he inquires of them diligently what time the star appeared. Herod. Think about him for just a moment. Herod. Herod is concerned about one thing with these wise men. And that is what has been revealed to them. The revelation they had received. It was not the wise men that intimidated him. It's what they saw. They said we have seen his star. It's not the wise men that threatened him. It's what they saw that threatened him. It was not the wealth of the wise men that bothered Herod. It is what they said that bothered Herod. It was not their riches and their gifts that bothered Herod, but it's when they said, we have come to worship him. You see, the enemy is always concerned about what you see and what you say. That is called revelation. I'm sure it didn't bother him until they said, we have seen his star in the east because the east always signifies new beginnings. That woke him up. Wait a minute. You've seen something in the realm of new beginnings. He asked them, when did they see it? How long have you been carrying this revelation? Because if I can figure that out, then I'll know how determined you really are to get to him. Revelation represents what you have seen and now what you are saying as a result of what you've seen because what you say is what forms your world. The world was formed by the word of God. What you say is what you will ultimately see. Hmm. Has what you have seen with your eyes gotten into your heart? The enemy is real concerned about what you've seen. He's real concerned about the things you've been saying. Verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. They had to get there. Let me tell you about Revelation. Revelation will take you through a desert. Once you have seen, once you have said, Revelation will take you through a storm. Once you know you have received something from God, nothing by any means can take it from you. These guys had no choice because they had to fulfill scripture. 
The Bible says in Psalm 72 verse 10 that the kings of Tarshish and the isles shall bring him presents. They shall offer gifts. Isaiah chapter 60 verse 3 says nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. These men were only fulfilling the word. See, what the enemy does not want you to do is fulfill the word of God in your life. You need to tell your neighbor, but I have to get there anyway. Because sometimes even in the daytime, I can't see the star. But just give me a night season and I'll know how to keep on tracking. Give me a night season and I'll know how to keep going forward. I must hurry. Verse 6 of Isaiah 60 says, They shall bring gold and incense, and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. They had to fulfill it. You have to fulfill the word of God over your life. It's called purpose. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and prophesy to you now. Many of you have been facing things that you are not used to. Unprecedented, unexpected things have shown up in your life. And you're wondering if you're going to make it through. And I came by to tell you the word of the Lord that brought you to this place is going to bring you through this problem. Somebody throw your head back and shout, I have to get there. I have. I have to get there. I was thinking about their worship. First thing they tell Herod is we have come to worship him. We have come to worship him. How many of you know worship all, worship, worshipers always show up? I'm going to say it again. How many of you know that worshipers always show up? Worshipers are driven, driven by what they do more than by what they have and more than by what they want. Worshippers are driven by what they do, not by what they have. Worshippers always see what others miss out on. Worshippers recognize value. Worshippers always assume the posture of looking up. The Bible says they fell down and looked up at the child. Worshippers always look for what they can open. I'm reminded of the lady with the alabaster box. It was just a box until she opened it. Your heart is just a heart until you open it. Worshippers are openers. They present what they have, not what they need. See, what you have is worship. What the enemy does not want you to open to God is your worship. I need to know if there's any worshipers in the house. Just let me fix this just for a moment. I'm going to go ahead and say it like a TI is this morning. See, real worshipers don't need lights. Real worshipers don't need the smoke. Real worshipers don't need the sound to be right. Real worshipers will get up in a stable. Real worshipers will find a manger. 
Real worshipers will get in the mud. Real worshipers will get in the manure. Real worshipers do not feel entitled. Real worshipers don't need to be entertained. Real worshipers say, all I know to do is open my heart and give God praise for all he has done for me. Is there any real worshipers in the building today? Woo! I don't need to feel right. It don't need to look right. Things don't need to be right. I am a worshiper in the good times, the bad times, on the mountains, in the valleys, with my friends, or by myself. I am a... Tell your neighbor, you sitting by a real worshiper today. I am blood-bought. Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized. He has done too much for me not to worship him. I can't keep my worship closed. I can't keep my worship in. When I think about all he's done, I have to worship him. I'm sorry that wasn't in my nose, but I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody needs to worship him. Let me get away from this here. Let me get away from this here. See, churches try to get cute on Easter and Christmas because there are people in the building that's not usually there, so they want to show that real dignified side. No, I hope somebody breaks a heel today. I hope somebody shakes their dew all the way down today. Tell your neighbor, you in a Holy Ghost field church right here. Oh, Lord, help me. Hold on. Lord Jesus, help us today. If you really didn't care about the red and the black and everybody color-coordinated and you really got down in your heart to realize if it was not for God. Here's what I believe. Full wallets and empty hearts are a bad depiction for worship. Full wallet, wallets and full bank accounts and empty hearts is a real bad depiction for worship. Until your heart is more full than your checking account is rich, you ain't going to give him real worship. I'll leave it right there. This stood out to me. This stood out to me. After they worshiped, they were warned. This ain't in my notes. I'm just going to move on with it now. Something about worship sets your alarm clock. After they worshiped, they was warned of God in a dream. Real worshipers have their alarm clock set. What does that mean? When you're a real worship, you can detect the devil. When you really been worshiping in the spirit, you can discern when something about to pop off. Real worshipers 
are always warned by God. Don't touch that. Don't fool with that. Don't play with that. And the Father is seeking those who will. Just whisper to your neighbor, don't embarrass them, and ask them, are you a real worshiper? Now look back at them and shout, if you are, jump on your feet and give him praise. I'm a real worshiper. I can't help myself. I have followed him this far. I have followed him for 45 years to worship him every time I can. Sit down. Let me finish. Let me finish, y'all. I'm about done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was going to be dignified, but now I got the I don't care attitude. There's a wonderful progression to the worship that came from these wise men. Number one, they came into the house. Whew. Everybody shout loud, get in the house. Where's the house? The house is where the presence is. The house is where worship happens. They came into the house. They saw the child. Why did you come to the house? Not to see the preacher. Not to hear the praise of the, the praise team. You came to see him. They saw the child. They fell down. That would be unique to many of us. They worshiped. Then they opened. That's the question. That's the question. The question of the morning is this. Will you be open? See, being open is saying I'm willing to change. Hmm. Will you be open? Will you be open to what God would tell you to do today? Will you open today? <laughs> Worshippers are always looking for something to bust open. Why would you show up and not open up? Then they presented. They presented what they had. Watch this. And then they went home a different way. Y'all just missed that right there. Then they went home a different way. So let me fix it all for you. When you come into the house and see Jesus and worship him with an open heart and present him with what you have, not just what you need, you go home a different way. Tell somebody, I'm going home a different way today. My last point is what did they give? They came into the house, saw the child, fell down, worshipped, opened their gifts, and then they presented they presented unto him, one version says treasures, another version says gifts. 
The word treasure is mentioned 100 times in scripture. The word gift is mentioned 105 times in scripture. But this is a pivotal scripture concerning your gift. Proverbs 18, 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Another version reads it like this, a gift opens the way for the giver. They went home another way. A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the great. Literally, in the Hebrew, it comes to you on this wise. Judicious, using good sense, liberality helps him make his way through life. Now, there was a polarization that just transpired within the sanctuary of Quest Church. A polarization is a separation, a dividing. Because even saying the word gift, giver, or treasure, many of you began to close what was previously open. This truth remains there are only two people in the world. There's only two. There's givers and there's takers. That's it. God is a giver. In creation, he started it. Woo. He gave the world to his son. Adam, y'all just missed that. You're going to have dominion over everything. It's yours, Adam. Everything is yours. And guess what the first Adam did? Lost it all. But God is such a giver that the second time he didn't give the world to his son, he gave his son for the world. God is a giver. The word is present. A man's present makes room for him. The word present is the root word for presentation. I say this all the time. You attract what you present. Preaching this building, Pastor Rick, on Sunday morning. You attract what you present. Present yourself as a thug. Thugs will surround you. Present yourself as a racist. Racists will surround you. Present yourself as a loving person, and loving people will find you. The amens are getting less and less, but I'm going to keep on preaching. Presentation is power. I'll say it again. Presentation is power. And here is where you need to get a resolute 
galvanized attitude. I refuse to allow you to change my presentation. And that's how you need to be. You can have a gift, and if it's never presented, it has no effect. Bury your talent and you lose it. Hmm. There has to be a presentation of the present in order for the future to be revealed. God's not interested in your past. He's already established your future. All he's asking for is your now. Boy, y'all just missed this. He's already forgiven your past, which means he forgot it. Who are you to remember what God forgot? When people bring up your past, ask them that question. Who are you to remember what God has already forgotten? Don't worry about your future. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a good future and an expected end. God is not asking you for a future. He's not asking you for your past. He's asking you for your present. He wants you to present to him your now. If it's confused, bring it to him. If it's painful, bring it to him. If you're bruised, now bring it to him. He never asks you for what you do not have. He'll only require of you what you carry. And what you are carrying is your presence. The gift is something you have. A man's gift makes room for him. He doesn't say, if your gift is big, I'll give you more favor. doesn't say if your present is beautiful right now, I'll give you a great future. He doesn't say if one gift is better than another gift, I'll favor you over them. Your gift brings you, it transports you before great men. Read it in the Hebrew. Your gift transports you to great matter. Oh, if you ever got that revelation, you would Quit meandering around in stuff that don't count. You would stop arguing with stupid people on Facebook. I'm sorry, I had to say, I know it's Christmas service. Tell me, Jesus. Your gift brings you before stuff that really matters. If you want to get in the presence of stuff that really matters, that really counts, bring God your now. Bring him your present. It brings him before great matter. It opens a way for him to be in the presence and company of great men that really matter. It acts as an usher to bring him to the place of waiting for the answer. It positions him for an introduction. 
to introduce a person to another that renders him and his gift acceptable. You just missed that there. That's all the definitions of this idea of gift, which means no one else can judge your worship. Y'all just missed that because somebody knows what you did last night and they have already disqualified you from lifting your hands this morning. And until you get over what they think about how you worship, you ain't never going to present God with anything. You need to get over them and get on to him. You need to forget what people think about you lifting your hands, you're shouting, you're giving God praise, you're bringing your present and your gift to him. You need to forget what people think about it. There's only one person in the Old Testament that is qualified to put value on a gift, and that was the high priest. And our high priest is Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible says when everybody in the room got mad at the woman with the alabaster box, when she started worshiping him, Jesus silenced all of them. And he said, y'all don't know what she's doing. People don't know what you're doing when you're worshiping. They Let me tell you what worship is. I'm going to end right here. Worship is a faith response to God. You know what you do it, but you have no idea what he's about to do. So to refuse to worship, to refuse to open, is letting God sit still on the throne. But when you begin to praise, God inhabits the praises of his people. When you begin to worship, he begins to work. When you begin to move toward him in passion, he begins to move toward you with provision. I need some people to get up, open your mouth, open your heart, and begin to worship the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. Keep those hands up and worship him. Because while you're worshiping, he's working.